love you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us, and we're especially glad to have a visitor with us. Uh, Brother Odom has been tell, telling me he's going to be coming, and he's here today, so we're glad that he's here. He's a friend of mine from the Friday Night Singing, so uh, be sure to get to meet him. Our lesson for this morning is on the hard teachings of the Bible. And certainly as we look at the Bible, we understand that there are certain teachings in the Bible that are hard, uh, maybe not to comprehend, but to accept. And so we're going to look at some of those hard teachings that are in the Bible. We understand that Jesus had many hard-to-follow teachings and sayings in Scripture. And even today, there are many hard-to-follow teachings for us still in Scripture. The question that we have for ourselves is, do we choose to obey the Scriptures? Or do we try to alter them for our own justification? Or do we ignore what the Scriptures teach altogether? And certainly, we understand that as we look at Scripture, we must accept what the Scriptures teach us. We must follow it to the best of our ability. Our lesson objectives for this morning are, first of all, to study the Bible, God's Word, together, with the intent of obeying to the fullest. And secondly, to recognize God's Word as authority in our lives and in all we say and do. We always need to recognize God's authority. I wanted to begin our lesson for this morning with some examples of some of the teachings that some found hard to follow. We're going to begin in the book of Luke, chapter 18. We'll begin with verse 18. And here we read of a man that we refer to often as the rich young ruler. Now a certain ruler asked him saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, I can hear it kind of proudly, and he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. Thinking that, well, I'm well off, I've done all these things already. In verse 22, so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. As Jesus told him to, to get rid of the possessions that he had, to sell them, to, to give to the poor, he couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to do that, at least not as far as we're aware in scriptures, because he had so many riches and because he was so tied to those riches. It was a hard saying because he didn't want to part with the possessions that he had accumulated. And we go a little bit further in verse 24 of Luke 18. 
And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Who, can, who then can be saved? But he said, These things, the things which are impossible with men, are possible with God. It may be difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven, but it's not impossible. But they have to be willing to, to accept that their possessions are not their life. And that was something that the, the rich young ruler had a difficult time accepting. So that was a hard saying for him. It's hard because he didn't want to part with his riches. There are other hard sayings that we read of. Turn with me to John chapter 6. Let's look at verse 31 to begin with. Here we read of Jesus as the bread of life. After the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on the sea that we are so familiar with, a group seeking Jesus in Capernaum came to Him and they said, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them in verse 32, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, his father and mother we know? Who is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? We know him. We, we've grown up with him. We know this man. We know his family. Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, of the Son of Man and drink His blood. You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? The truth was that the Jews didn't want to believe these sayings. 
They didn't want to believe that Jesus had come down from heaven. They, they couldn't wrap their minds around it. And so these were hard sayings for them. Another example of the hard teachings of Jesus we find in Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 4. Matthew 19 and verse 4. And here we read of Jesus' teachings on marriage. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. In verse 7, they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of a divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said, to him. If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. There's only one reasonable cause for divorce and remarriage. And how is that so? How can there only be one reason? Moses commanded that you could put her away for, for, for anything, really. But from the beginning, it was not so. And it was a hard thing for them to understand, to, to, to wrap their mind around only one reason that someone could lawfully, under God's law, divorce and remarry. It's for the cause of adultery. If marriage was such a final thing, not easily ended, it was better in their eyes never to marry at all. It's a hard saying. It's a hard saying even today. Those are some examples of some of the hard teachings of Jesus. He wasn't being mean whenever He taught these things. He was teaching them the truth. And it was for their understanding. But many of the things that He said were rejected because they seemed hard to the people. Now we turn our attention not just uh, from these examples but, but look at some of the things that we are taught even today that are difficult for people to understand. Some of the things that may not have been as difficult back in the first century whenever they were taught but maybe they're difficult today. Some of what makes teachings today hard to comprehend is the lax view of God's Word in our society. Many of the teachings that people struggle with today, they struggle with because they have grown up hearing different teachings from denominations and other sources. 
you'll find that, that if you really talk to people and really discuss the Bible with them, that a lot of the things that they are holding to are things that they have been taught. They have trouble putting those behind them. Well, I've been taught this all my life, and now it's, it's wrong. A lot of people have trouble obeying the gospel because they don't want to believe that their parents believed something that wasn't the truth. They can't bring themselves to, to, to be justified in that. So there are many misconceptions, many things that people find hard today, mostly because of what has been taught in error. We are warned that this kind of thing will happen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When they like it and when they don't like it. I believe Marshall Keeble is the originator of those words. But be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires. Listen to this. According to their own desires. Because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And be turned aside to fables. A lot of times when people look for a congregation to worship with. They're looking for a church that teaches what they want to hear. And that's not what we are to do. That's not what scriptures teach. We are to find the church that teaches the truth. That stands on the truth. That does not err from the truth. And until we have found a church that does not err from the truth. We have not found a church of God. Many have turned their ears away from the truth. To the point that the truth sounds unfamiliar and hard. And it's when the truth sounds unfamiliar and hard, they have trouble accepting it. Whenever someone tells you something, do you ever have that feeling? Well, you know, something just doesn't sound right about that. If they tell you something about someone, well, something just doesn't sound right about that. Or they tell you something uh, uh, about what you're doing, well, that just doesn't sound right. Brethren, if we take the things of the Bible and we say, that just doesn't sound right, we're rejecting the truth. We're rejecting the authority of God. We need to know the truth and abide by it. There are certain teachings that are hard today because to some people they just don't sound right. Begin with submission and servitude. Jesus taught his disciples to serve one another. After washing their feet, in John chapter 13, beginning with verse 12, 
says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Today it seems that we have too many masters and too few servants. It wasn't even about washing their feet, literally speaking, but they were to serve one another. That was the point of what Jesus was saying, serve one another. And today we are told to serve one another, but there are too many people that do not want to serve. They're fine with being served, but they do not want to serve. They have trouble humbling themselves in that way. But notice what scriptures teach. Christians are taught submission to their government. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 17. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And do we always agree with our leaders? No. But we are to have a respect for them. We are to be respectful of their authority, knowing that God has given us their authority for a reason, to keep from having total chaos. We have to have something that we are under. Now there are certain decisions that they make that, that they deem lawful that, that aren't lawful for Christians. But as long as we can serve God under the law, and we have no problems with the laws that have been created thus far. We are to serve. And we are to be submissive unto them. We will be subject to them and to their rule. Our rulers are placed in position by God. Romans 13 verses 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. We are to have a respect for those who lead us in government. A respect that we find too little today. Christians are taught submission, submission to their masters. We would most likely 
look at this as, as our bosses and our jobs. We are to be submissive to those who have rule over us in that way. 1 Peter 2, beginning with verse 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the heart. doesn't matter whether you have a good boss or a bad boss, an easy boss or a hard boss. It doesn't matter, but whenever you have a master, whenever you're doing something for your master, whoever that may be, be submissive to them. Be respectful of their authority. Verse 19, For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your fault you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. As Christians, we are to submit to those who have authority over us, even and especially in the workplace. Christians are taught submission in marriage. This is the hard one. This is a hard one for many to accept. I've heard of, of many who have come into their wedding ceremony, I don't want any of this submission stuff. But it's what God said. 1 Peter 3, beginning with verse 1, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Wives are to submit to the headship of their husbands. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 17, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands are also to be submissive in honor and care for their wives as fellow heirs of the inheritance of God. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5 beginning with verse 22 he taught these very things and he compared marriage with something else to the church marriage is compared to the church have you ever thought what that means if marriage is compared to the church then who are the wives are they not the bride of Christ and if we compare marriage to the church, as we look at ourselves as the bride of Christ, are we not to be submissive to Christ? And He doesn't rule it over us. He doesn't make us be submissive to Him, does He? We have free will. We have the ability to choose whether we are going to serve God or whether we are going to serve man. That's our choice. God doesn't make us serve Him. He wants us to choose Him. And so it is with husbands. If we compare husbands with Christ and how He is in His church as the head of the church, husbands are not to make their wives be submissive to them. They shouldn't have to. 
Husbands should live the kind of life and, and treat their wives in such a way that they want to be submissive to their husbands. So much. And that, that correlation between marriage and the church. We also see another hard teaching in repentance and baptism. It's hard to accept for many. Acts 2 and verse 38, Then Peter said to them, to the Jews, on the day of Pentecost, he said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is hard. Repentance is hard for many because they do not want to give up their bad habits and behavior. Some find just giving these things up is too difficult for them and they eventually give up on themselves. Well, I've tried and tried and tried and I can't give these things up, so I give up. And they allow themselves to remain in submission to uh, their bad behaviors rather than serving God. Repentance is hard. It's something that we have to fight for. It's something that we do on a daily basis. It's not something that we just do whenever we're obeying the gospel. It's something that we continue throughout our lives as Christians. Repentance is hard. It's hard to put aside those things that we're used to and give them up for the sake of Christ. It's a hard teaching. Repent. And though it was not a hard teaching in the first century, at least not in this case, as we're looking at the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost, baptism is made difficult by the teachings and traditions of men. Baptism is given different purposes by man. Some say it's for, for joining a denomination or a congregation. Some say it's an outward sign of an inward faith. Some say that, that some religions allow individuals to be baptized for someone who's passed. And that, that's not the case in Scripture. But we've been given so many meanings and so many different things regarding baptism. So many different purposes that it's confusing which one is right. Can infants be baptized? Can, can little children be baptized? Those are things that came from men. Just look at Acts 2.38 alone. Look at the command that Peter gave to the people. He gave it to a people that could understand. They had understanding. They, they had an awareness of their sins and they could receive, they could, could understand that they needed to repent of what they had been doing. They could understand that they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. That's its purpose. Some teach that baptism is not necessary for salvation. But what do the Scriptures teach? 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, There is also an antitype which now saves us baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Mark 16, 16, who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Baptism is necessary for salvation. There is an antitype, a life figure that now saves us is baptism. It saves us. One who does not believe and is not baptized cannot be saved. The Jews on the day of Pentecost, the Ethiopian eunuch, Saul who later became Paul, Lydia, the Philippian jailer, and so many others had no trouble believing that baptism was essential to salvation. So why do we have so much trouble with that teaching today? Teachings they were given are the same teachings that we follow today. And yet there are so many that find them hard to believe. There's only one church. Jesus promised to establish only one church. Matthew 16 verses 15 through 18. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. On this rock I will build my church. A singular only my church, not, not some other church, my church. Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, one church, which is his body, one body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 4 verses 4 through 6 There is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. One church. If only one church was established, where did all the religions and different beliefs of the world come from? The answer, they could only come from man. They did not come from God. They could only come from the traditions and teachings of men. Most, if not all, denominations must admit a much later establishment in the church, of the church than what belongs to Jesus Christ. The one established through His apostles following His resurrection from the dead, that church was established on the day of Pentecost. It goes all the way back to the first century. You look at any denomination and you'll find a history that begins much later. Even some that, that have begun within the last two or three centuries. Some very popular ones. Certain teachings regarding worship are made difficult by the many teachings of men. Singing without musical accompaniment Weekly observance of the Lord's Supper, it seems that many have forgotten that worship is about God, 
not about us. It's not about how I feel or what I want. It's about what God wants and what God has said. To worship God as He pleases, we can only do so by His authority and by His Word. Discipleship, following Jesus, loving God more, that's a difficult teaching. Luke 14, 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. It wasn't about hating them. We're not to hate our father and mother, literally speaking. But what he is saying is that we should love God more. When it comes to family, even, we should love God more. We should want to serve Him more than trying to please others. Mark 12, 29-31, what we use as our scripture reading for this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all. All. Do you hear that word? All. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. We can't just have a portion of ourselves that's devoted to something else or someone else over here and, and still devoted to God. You cannot serve two masters. We serve God with all of our being. cost of discipleship. Luke 9, beginning with verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell. Who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is not easy. And something, something we should all be fully committed to. We must be fully committed to Christ. Counting the cost before we even begin. If you didn't count the cost of discipleship before you became a Christian, count the cost now. Make sure that you're following God the way that He wants you to. That you're devoting yourself wholly to Him. Not partially. God doesn't want your pieces. But He wants you to devote yourself to His service. Regardless of how hard or difficult these teachings may be, we must give reverence to God accepting the word given to us by His own inspiration. The rich young ruler was still sorrowful after refusing to give up his possessions. And as far as we know, he never gave them up, never accepting the hard teachings of Jesus. 
The Jews didn't want to accept Jesus as the Son of God. And those who didn't would be lost in judgment. Because these teachings are difficult, does not give us license to do what we wish. We do have the freedom to choose. But we are still to choose God. You see, ultimately, we are responsible for ourselves. We are responsible for whether or not we follow the teachings of God. Now, we may choose to reject them. That's our choice. But we are responsible for our own souls. The song that I've chosen is the invitation song, Have You Counted the Cost? Have You Counted the Cost of Discipleship? How much is your soul worth to you? Are you able, are you willing to put everything aside for the sake of Christ? If you're not a Christian, you have the opportunity to obey the gospel today. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. But if it is that you need to come back to Him, if you need to rededicate your life to Christ, if there's some way that we can assist you, we give you the opportunity as together we stand and as we sing. There's 